0: On today's show, the Cavs won the Summer League title. So what does that mean for Luke Travers and the rest of that crew, Isaiah Moby, all of them in three years? Let's dive in.
1: You are locked on Cavs,
0: your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast. All right, the music is on the way, and is from our friends at Astro Radio. I'm Chris Manning. That's Evan Damerel. Thanks again to Jake Stevens, as always, for producing. We're gonna look ahead today at several Cavs summer league standouts: Imani Bates, Luke Travers, Craig Porter Jr. You can throw some Maryland if you want to, Isaiah Mobley, and we're gonna look at which of these guys is gonna matter in three years, not next year. Travers will be overseas. Bates will be in the G League. Porter Jr. will be in the G League. Mobley is going to be in the G League. Khalifa Jop, if you wanted to go that route, is going to be overseas again. This is not a present tenth team that is going to suddenly be like a young core. Like the Cavs have a whole other core. We're going to look at it. Who is, how could these guys matter in three years? And I mean, I'm going to start I want you to tell me if this is crazy or not. The guy that I kind of think might most likely just has the best chance of being like a rotation guy for the Cavs in three years of the guys that were at Summer
1: League, really, I think it's Luke Travers. That's a bold one. Elaborate because I, I could pitch, pitch me on it because I could be sold on it, but I disagree right now. Go ahead.
0: So I think it for me right now would be him or Mobley would be my answer if you asked me this question. If I had to pick one, who is it going to be? It would be him or Isaiah Mobley. We'll talk about Bates. I think there's just a lot more I still want to see. I still think he was imp- more impressive than I thought he was going to be in Vegas, but I'm curious to see what he looks like in the G League, how he looks defensively in, in a non-Summer League setting. There's, there's still, I think, questions to me about what he's really going to be. Summer League doesn't tell you that much. I just think Travers, he's really he's a smart player. He knows how to play, knows how to cut, knows how to pass. He's got good size on the wing. Everything you read about him, hear about him, it seems like he is very serious about this. He switched teams to Melbourne United to be a pro uh, at a a higher level team than he was at Adelaide. He's going to play with Matthew Lavadova. This is someone that that I think is very serious about his craft. And I think an all-around wing who can pass it, who can dribble, who's a smart defender, who knows how to cut, who I think will figure out how to shoot well enough... I just kind of think that's a skill set in a player that I, I just kind of think is going to matter. And I think that's the kind of guy that is going to at least get a shot if he continues on the path he's at right now. It just He just feels like an NBA skill set to me when I watch him. Even if there's stuff to work on, he feels like someone that has a very jack-of-all-trades NBA wing skill set.
1: Yeah, I think mean, that's a good way to look at it. Sorry for the voice crack, but even if the shot doesn't convey, the fact that he does have a bit of that... Jack of all trades, master of none, maybe some, depending on what like really fleshes out for him. Like that that does make him very intriguing as a player. Um, he certainly has a size. He did talk about leaning up to summer league. Like, I wanted to be able to showcase my ability to like play and defend one through four. And I think you saw a lot of that because what stood out for me for most with Luke Travers is just like him kind of hounding the ball for blocks and just rebounding opportunities and using just his natural size and to maybe impose. His will on smaller, smaller one twos and threes, um, just whenever he's on the court, and he does have a little bit of that just that interesting wrinkle. Where, like he does have a pretty decent playmaking vision. He, I think, is able to compensate for the fact that his shot just isn't fully there. Uh, and again, like if it doesn't translate, I think there is a path for him to be like a valuable rotation player. Um, like I'm not gonna say he's he's gonna be like Draymond or something like that. Like that's just unex. Completely unprecedented, yeah, yeah. but like uh, I, a but, Hall of Famer, yeah. best defender in the league. Yeah. Okay. But like, there is a path where Travers can be, can lean on his lack of, like, he's not super athletic either, but he's still capable enough and understands like defensive assignments and just like rotations and things like that. And I think that was the thing that like really popped for me is just like his defensive acumen and like how much that is leveled up and how much just more so he's leveled up as a player between what we saw last year uh when he was at the summer league cavs um I, again under Mike Garrity back then and then this year now and also just whenever i caught footage or just happened to tune in to what he had going on when he was playing um in australia last year in the uh in the um australian league so it's um i'm interested to see like I, the thing is like this is always what i come back to is like will he want to come over to the nba like yeah he's expressed interest in it, and he thinks he's a year or two away from hitting that point but as you said, like this is a three year outlook. Like, let's say two years out, like, well, there's the opportunity for him to jump to the States and he doesn't yeah. take it. Like, I'm like, okay, maybe the ship has sailed. Like, he's just going to stay in Australia permanently.
0: I, I just think it seems like his goal is to get here. All the reporting about this, all of what he said about it, all the reporting from Australia seems like the move to Melbourne that has an out, has an NBA out in it, that's a three year deal. So he's guaranteed three years there, but it's, it's there isn't an out for him to come to the NBA. I think like it, all signs seem to point to him being someone who wants to give it a go, who has ambitions of being there. So that's not really a super big concern to me. What I what I think is interesting is just how he he he's at he right now. He's going to be 22 in September, so he's a college senior age if he was an American. Fair. What is he? You know, what is does how much bigger does he get? What does he look like? How does the skill ramp up? And you know, he he won a title two years ago. He's been a champion in the NBL before. I'm curious to see just what he looks like in a different environment. Um, th- this, to me, was you know his summer league numbers in five games: at seven point eight points, at 6.8 boards, it's one point six assists, it's two point two blocks. These aren't like very crazy eye catching numbers, but like it- it's solid all around, and they're an improvement on last year. And I thought he looked better than he did last year. Um, and I'm curious. To, I'm just. I'm curious to see like if there is a leap for him in a new environment in Australia and what that might look like. Are they? You know, last year in Australia, 9.7 points, 5.7 boards a game. Does that get up to 14 a game, 15 a game, and and seven boards? Um, and what does the new environment bring out of him? This just feels to me like a guy who's going to try to push himself to, to get there Um, in that way, whatever that that's going to look like. And maybe it's not for two years, but I I, I think he's going to come over at some point. And I, I just kind of think NBA wing feels just like the thing most likely to get a shot, especially because this will still be an... In- in two years, guess what the Cavs are going to need? Maybe more than anything else, more wings. That's that's just going to be the need on this roster.
1: Oh yeah, just because they're going to be so top heavy with two, we can be frank, undersized guards, and then whatever mammoth, mammoth, mammoth amount of money Evan Mobley may command at some point too. And then obviously like if Jared Allen reups as well, like there's there's a lot of ways the Cavs could lighten the load at the top if they wanted to move on from Allen or something. But as you said, like, they need depth on the perimeter and just having a guy that they at least own his rights and if he does want to come to the NBA, like, he is the team that he has to sign with. If The the Cavs could trade it, whatever. Like, that's just neither here nor there. But I agree. Like, I think there is a path where he clearly wants to come to the NBA. He has made it pretty clear that, like, he wants to come to the NBA. And I I just... Yeah, but we'll also see, like, where are the Cavs at two years from now? Like, do they have the roster spot for him? Does he end up, like, on the two-way route? Like, does he want to swallow that bit of a bitter pill to kind of keep leveling up and reach the NBA? Or is there going to be, like, the Cavs are holding out a roster spot in the event Luke Travers wants to, or is able to come over to the NBA in two, maybe three years' time? Like, that's that's a fair question, too. Like, what are the Cavs just are completely full, and they're like, okay, Luke, we can't bring you over, so you have to stay in Australia for a bit.
0: All right, coming up next, let's dive into Bates and what his future might hold. I'm curious to see where, where Evan is at post assembly so we'll talk about that coming up next. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel. Take your first swing at betting MLB with your, and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. That's an awesome deal. That's right. Just bet 20 bucks and you'll land $200 of bonus bets, win or lose. That's $200 you can spend betting everything from the money line to over-under to who you think is going to get the first home run. All of that is on an app that is safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you can get paid instantly. There's no better place to play in MLB than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. So sign up today and visit fanduel.com lockdown to get $200 of bonus bets. That's fanduel.com slash lockdown. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. Evan, post-summer league, where are you at? Where are you at with Bates?
1: Uh I see the potential for him as a player. Like I see him like there's there's a bit of a path for Bates as a player overall. But for me, like you look at the first game in summer league compared to maybe the last, the, the one against Memphis where he and Sam Merrill just blew the doors off the Grizzlies or like even look at the last summer league game when they won the championship, like he was really efficient or even in their opening playoff game against Brooklyn or whatever you want to call it in the summer league. Like he was really efficient in that too. And I think that That is the path for Bates to be a bit more of an impact player earlier into his career, but he needs those on court reps because he's so young and he needs to bulk up and kind of get used to the rigors of the NBA. So, like, he needs the G League for his rookie season just to get those opportunities, because I talked about Sam Merrill earlier on Friday's first episode of the day. Uh, Like, Sam Merrill's a dude who's too good for the G League, but, like, isn't good enough to crack the Cavs' rotation. Like, Bates is a guy who needs those reps in the G League because there's no path for him to crack Cleveland's rotation unless, like something on first unvers- like there's a sequel to the pandemic and the Cavs just all get it at once and they need some type of body out there to play small forward for them but like there's a path and for me if he's able to like tap into his just pretty like fluid and sweet shooting mechanics and just find a level of consistency on limited shot opportunities like that is a path for him to maybe crack an nba rotation whether it's to the Cavs or another team not this year but the following year.
0: I really feel like I still, like, we saw him in Summer League do some stuff that I feel like we knew he could do. Made shots. The, you know, the shot form's like a little unorthodox. He got buckets. There was some playmaking. You know, the size is a really nice advantage as a shooter. I still feel like, Evan, I don't fully understand what he exactly is going to look like as far as physically at the NBA level and defensively at the NBA level. And I think for him to stick, for him to be some like okay let's use travers as a comp here sure i look at luke travers and i think i think it's pretty clear that physically that guy's going to be able to defend a couple spots the nba it's going to hold up like we'll see what the foot speed looks like we'll see you know if the the principles hold up you know certainly like that can change like i thought jetty osmond was going to be a better defender than he turned out to be right like sometimes the reads can be wrong and you someone has yeah. habit feet in is just it's just a, a walking has an attack me sign like on the, the middle of their chest in their jersey Travers I, I just don't see that as and with Bates I kind of think like that that's going to be the concern I, I think the G League is going to tell us a lot about what he what he looks like physically and I, I'm really I would love like we never get these and I understand why because it's just like teams just don't want to do this but like how, how I would like Evan Mobley before and after pictures like pre-rookie year like have looked okay what did he look like day one of rookie year and the end of his sophomore season to see how he physically looked I would like that for Bates the night he got drafted to the first G League game to the midpoint of the G League season to the end of the G League season what does this guy physically look like and how how much bigger can he get without like changing who he is really because I think he's gonna have that size to really hold up and until we like know what that looks like and know what he looks like defensively I just have a
1: hard time projecting him out three years Yeah, he's hard to kind of get a peg on because, to your point about Travers, Travers has played in arguably one of the top leagues outside of the NBA, whereas Bates really struggled because he was a point guard for Memphis his freshman season as a 17-year-old, and then he went to Eastern Michigan, and there are moments, like, there's that game against Toledo everybody likes to circle back to, and like, yeah, that's a great moment for Bates, but... There's also quite a few stinkers here and there in between, like, I mean, he had bad games against your alma mater, he had bad games against mine, like, and there's moments where, like, you're thinking, okay, is this a coaching thing, is this a lack of talent thing, is this a lack of commitment thing, and at least you hear the right things coming from Bates and his very, very limited availability, and you kind of see, like, some good along with the bad, but... As you said, it's hard to project what he can be because we don't have like a lot of footage of him playing like high level basketball because Memphis just didn't work out for him. And then Eastern Michigan is just so hit or miss in terms of just like what is available footage wise. So the bulk thing is a good point. He did note that he was 182 heading into Vegas. I think he was listed at like 185 or something like that on like the official stat sheets. But whatever, his goal is to get to 195, um, just like bulk wise, so he can handle defending uh threes fours maybe twos in certain scenarios or ones as well like but i I don't expect him to be like a multi-positional defender even though he said like listen i wasn't good defensively like i need to show that I, i can be better defensively and i i am curious to see how patient maybe cleveland is in his development and i think they have to be because he is so incredibly raw he's so incredibly young um When I saw him in person, like, I talk about the weight thing again, like, he was, he just, like, he's so thin compared to, like, the rest of his frame, like, you could tell, like, yeah, there's there's a lot of room for growth there for sure, and hopefully, if the Cavs stick with Mike Garrity as his head coach, like, hey, that's somebody uh, Bates is familiar with from his time in Summer League, and that kind of gets him on the right path to just help him development-wise, too, but... I am very curious to see what Cleveland's plan is internally for Bates' development and, like, kind of, like, what tent poles for success are for them in terms of his development, too, because, like, I remember Brendan Yu was talking about Isaiah Mobi. like, it's just not, like, the counting stats, like, it's the small and tangible things that, like, JV likes to keep mental notes of or even Kobe likes to take mental mo- notes of and... Uh, When the charge up with their media day, I'm going to, I hopefully if I'm there, like I'll ask like, okay, what are the temples for success for Bates in his development? Like this season, like what is the vision? What is the path? And without, obviously you don't reveal your entire hand, nor do I expect them to, but I I wonder how much of kid gloves are going to be involved
0: in his rookie season. Well, and on top of that, like, you know, they, they can say it's winning plays. We track that stuff, but I think pushing for, for definition of that stuff is important. Like, what is it for Bates? Is it the extra pass? Is it moving his feet defensively? Is it getting rebounds? Is it, you know, is it is it is it really getting a, a becoming an efficient catch and shoot guy? Like what are the what are the the small things winning plays specifically? Because they can say that it's a cliche, it's an obvious, it's a it makes it makes good copy. But what what are those things specifically? And also, I think from our perspective when we watch him, what are those? What are we seeing? Like what what do we think is contributing to winning? When you watch him, if people turn on a G League and go to a Charge game. What are the things they're defining as winning plays beyond just sort of like that being thrown out there as a term? I think definition of that is key. Look, it's also worth remembering he's 19 years old. Travers is a little older. Mobley is a little bit older. Craig Porter Jr. is a little bit older. Sam Merrill's 27 years old. <laughs> okay, like Sam Merrill was like in elementary school when Imani Bates was born. When Imani Bates was born. Like this is a 19-year-old who will not turn 20 until January, late January of, of next year, it, it's so hard for someone who has kind of been through what he's been through, who has had the trajectory he's had going from the consensus recruit to Memphis, to Eastern Michigan to this. It, it, that it, he's still so young and yet it, he's lived a life. And that kind of makes for me at least, that's another part of us that makes it really hard to kind of figure out exactly what what to, what to
1: make of Bates. I agree, um, and I, I am curious, Like, how do the Chargers utilize him? Do they give him free reign to like just get up as many shot opportunities as they want? Do they want him to kind of play within the flow of the offense? And I think it was interesting because you could see at times like the way Garrity and the Summer League Cavs employed Bates was more so using him as like a movement shooter or a guy who's a bit of a trailer or a spot-up shooter, and you're like, okay, I can see the vision there. And then there was other times where he had the ball in his hand and either it was tunnel vision or they called a set play for him and you watched him drive to the basket, you can see, like, yeah, that's with the lack of size and maybe the lack of athleticism that he currently possesses. Like, I think he's athletic, but he's not, like, super athletic. Um, But, like, you can see, like, size is going to bother Bates quite a bit if he tries to drive to the basket. And you have to avoid um, encouraging those bad habits uh, in his development. Up next, Isaiah
0: Mobley, Craig Porter Jr. Two more guys to dive into. Maybe St. Merrill too. Evan, do you want to go Isaiah Mobley or do you want to go Craig Porter Jr.?
1: So, let me ask you this about Isaiah Mobley because that's the way I'm going to say Isaiah Mobley. But do you think... So, to your Luke Travers point... um Three years from now, maybe Travers is like the complete difference making compared to Mobley, but I'm kind of high on Mobley's stock as a dude who could be that jack of all trades, master of none, maybe some for Cleveland, where like he slots into that Dean Wade, Lamar Stevens role from last year where. There may not be nights where he's expected to play consistently, but if he does get minutes, he'll provide you a little bit of juice all over the court that he can at least provide you meaningful minutes and however long that stretch he is on the floor for. I think this is Mobley, correct?
0: Yeah, we're talking about Mobley right now. I come back to the physicality thing with him as well because I think any center that's going to be your backup, I think it needs to be someone who can handle some of the real Mm -hmm. giants to really... Like, you could be Paul Reed, B-Ball up, B-Ball Paul, and, like, figure some of this out and it'd be all right. I kind of (sighs) just... I kind of just – I think you're right. That is a jack-of-all-trades thing. I think his offensive utility is going to be as a connector. It's not going to be much as a scorer. It's going to be screening. It's going to be passing. It's going to be making little plays out of the short world. It's going to be, hopefully, if you're him, crash the offensive glass. Him as, like, the hub on offense. Just I don't think, like, that's, like – maybe the right comp for him, he's a little smaller, so it doesn't make it perfect, is, like, an Isaiah Hartenstein Mm -hmm. type. Because Hartenstein can pass – He's a really good passer. He's a really good screener. Plays within himself. And, and is clearly like a very just solid player. That's like the template of a little more offensive-minded but competent enough defensively kind of center. Just a little smaller. And I, I, really, it's hard for... Like, if you told me in three years Isaiah Mobley was the Cavs' backup center, I would not be surprised. But I also wouldn't be surprised if you told me he, at least to start, had a real issue with the physicality against some of these some of these bigger centers that he might need to guard. And maybe his... Especially if we get into a world where his brother... Like is the one the Cavs tasked you to defend perimeter guys, and if they're playing a team that has like a bulkier center and they need someone to bang like against Jakperdal on the glass or whatever, or like the ninety center the ninety centers the Pistons have, <laughs> like you maybe or Giannis or whatever it is. Yeah, I think you you could be in a world where like we you have to see Isaiah grow into into that a little bit more,
1: or Joel Embiid if um, he gets traded to the Knicks, as many sports books are thinking may happen, but more than that the athleticism thing is definitely understated with Mobley I think the physicality thing definitely goes hand in hand with that and to your point like he's I I don't see him as the offensive hub like I don't see him having the athleticism or maybe just like the frame or upside maybe is what I'm trying to get at in terms of just like muscle mass and growth and development and things like that but more than that like he could just be that dude where yeah he is your Third or fourth big within your rotation between just like his brother and Jared Allen, and there's a bit of a a, a way for that to work. Like he, the the three point shooting, he's not shy from attempting him. He wasn't great shooting wise from per, in the, at the from the perimeter in the summer league, but you saw that. You saw the passing. You saw at least some of the rebounding. Like he did step up big time, especially against a team like Houston that did not have a center playing for them in the championship game. So like Mobley just feasted on the boards like stuff like that. And the Hartenstein comparison is interesting because maybe that is his see like overall ceiling as a player where like, it's not a super athletic dude, but like he knows what he is, but he can provide you a little bit of everything. And maybe there's nights where he just pops or like, there's just certain lineups and scenarios where he can kind of just give the calves a little bit of an extra edge um, to just kind of maybe just be a little bit of like the guy who tips the scale. And also, to your point, like if the Cavs are playing a team that is a bigger team, like it's it's probably helpful to have an extra body who doesn't get in foul trouble immediately, but can at least absorb a lot of that physicality to relieve the pressure on your key uh big guys in Mob and Evan Mobley and Jared Allen.
0: I am really curious to see if Mobley gets any burn this year as a two way. Um think he's twenty
1: three. So yeah, I I was curious, I was actually not surprised that they signed him to another two-way so quickly or he agreed to another two-way so quickly, but I wonder if it's like a wink-wink, nudge-nudge saying like, hey, we're going to have an open roster spot and maybe once the trade deadline passes, we'll convey that into more of a regular contract and then they sign a guy on the charge or somebody else in the G League to, a different, to that open two-way spot. The other thing I just
0: want to say about Isaiah Mobley, um, and this is like a retroactive summer league take, um... And I'm not going to tell you that I watched like every minute that everyone on those teams like played. I do not understand how he wasn't on like the All Summer League team because I thought he was the best player on the Cavs, and he won. He did win the you know the he, he did win like maybe. the yeah, but uh, I think he
1: should have been like on the All Tournament team. I agree with that Tay. I agree with that take quite a bit. I was a little surprised when I saw that. I was just like, huh, like Sam Merrill. I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. I guess like he was a flamethrower from three um Bates like he really ramped it up towards the last few games in summer league so maybe that's it but maybe it's just those two stole his shine and I don't know what the voting process or the selection process is for summer league teams and things like that but I was a little surprised but he, he definitely was Cleveland's best player in that championship game like like I said Houston didn't really play a center in that game and Mobley definitely took advantage of that in terms of just like crashing the glass and just doing whatever he wanted on the inside
0: He's really fluid too. I'm I'm a fan. I'm curious to just see if he if maybe there's certain times or maybe Damian Jones doesn't doesn't cut it or whatever. I'm curious to see if um you know he gets a run in the new way. All right, uh, let's talk quickly about Craig Porter Jr. Do you, sure. want, do you want to talk about Craig Porter Jr. or do you want to talk about Sam Merrill 3 years out?
1: Uh, Sam Merrill, three years out, will be the same age I am now, so I'm okay. And me, I'm also, I'm and also 30. Well, no, you, you'll, you'll be 30. You'll be, you we'll both be 33. So yeah, we'll both be 33, washed and more gray than we are now, more washed than we uh, are too,
0: But I, yeah, I, I was born washed, so that's fine.
1: That's okay. You know, you are. I don't know. I don't know. I was going with that. I am who I Craig am, and Porter, I, Craig Porter I, Porter Jr. I love myself. Is he's a dude who stood out for me as like the fourth best player on the summer league third or fourth best player depending on the game for the summer league Cavs in terms of just like huh like the analysis that i got from some of the draft people that really get into the nitty-gritty of it is like he's just a basketball player that just makes winning basketball plays you're like that does not make much sense like that's just a lot of fluff and you're like watching play like no this is a dude who busts his butt every single possession on defense to try and make a difference and there's something endearing about that i think especially like if it's a guy who's just like busting his tail to kind of help your team win especially go undefeated like the cavs did but the vision isn't fully refined i think the lack of a three point shot is certainly evident um he only made like 1 on 7 attempts i want to say but i i i want to see how he pans out with the charge like he said during his media availability like the cavs have told him several times like there is a Vision they have in mind of him for his development. And he did say, like, I envision backing up Darius and Donovan maybe next year or the year after that. So, like, if that's the path for him and he's pretty aware of what he can be as a player, like, good stuff. Like, hey, the Cavs are doing the right thing and finally addressing, like, the youth backup point guard need that they need behind uh, Darius and even Donovan to an extent, too.
0: Yeah, curious to see what he looks like um, this upcoming season, running the offense a little bit curious to how the shot develops dude. uh also i wanted the only thing the last thing i'll say is uh, if you want to learn more about kirk porter jr uh front of the program Raphael barlow did a really great interview with him on the mm. locked on NBA, f- nba draft feed took go listen to that interview Raphael's the man so like just go check that out uh you won't you'll learn something about it you'll get smarter from it rafael's also a great dude so go support him uh let's end there i'm chris manning that's evan Demerol. Back at you on Monday with more Lockdown Cavs coverage. Until then, peace out. We're out of here.